Good morning. Are you blessed today? How blessed are you? Very blessed. All right. Now, those of you who were here last week, uh, we said we were starting again in Acts, the book of Acts. And that was actually the second message because the first message came in uh, probably May of this year. And we reviewed a little bit and just went into it. Today, we want to pick up where we left off. And now we said that the Acts is a, really can be called Acts of the Apostle. It can be called Acts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's the, the movement of the church uh, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the othermost parts of the world. It's, a, it's an exciting time for the church. It's actually the birth, uh, historically, of the church in the book of Acts. Now let's pick it up in uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, that's where we left off at uh, chapter uh, 4, so we'll pick it up in verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came a, a from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, we said this was a great time for the church and uh, the birth of the church as an institution. And what I want to do from there is to go from there to the book of John, the Gospel of John, and, and kind of share a little bit of some history there because some people uh, say, well, this, of course, is the birth of the church. Some people say, no, 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 no. Uh, the, 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 the birth of the church was back before that. Let's look at John, Gospel of John, chapter 20. And when we look there in verse 19, we'll start there. And this was not in my notes, so uh, it might not be on the PowerPoint, it might be. So when it was evening, on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, now, <clears throat> let's pick it up a little bit further from there. Uh, Christ had already been crucified, already, um, he, was, he, was, he was in the tomb, he rose again, he had already appeared to Mary Magdalene, he has already appeared to uh, some other women. He had already appeared to uh, Cephas. He's already called Peter. He's already uh, appeared to um, the two disciples that was on the road to Emmaus. Uh, now, we pick it up here. So we're talking about the first day of the week. It's still the same first day, the day he arose. And it says, when the doors were shut, where did the, the apostles were, for fear of the Jews. So the doors closed. They, they're hiding behind closed doors. They're in fear. They're not in faith. They're in fear. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them. Now, uh, some people say, well, you know, he had, had a body, which he did. He had a body. He was uh, flesh and he was bones. And so how did he get into this room? You know, did he open the door? So they wouldn't know that he was opening the door. Did he squeak it open, you know, and sneak in, you know? Or did he just go through the walls, go through the door? How did he get in there? You know? 
But we know that he appeared, right, in the midst of them. So you can uh, believe whatever you want to believe how he got in there. Uh, I believe that um, um, Jesus did so many miracles that they couldn't even record them in the book. You know? uh, that was during the 40 days after he rose before he went to heaven. This is talk, we're talking about many, many, many miracles that were not written. So I believe this is one of them, but you can believe whatever you want your heart desires. It doesn't matter because the scripture says what it says right here. Now, he says, peace be with you. That's important. Now, is this just a uh, salutation? Is this just a greeting? Is this just a uh, saying, you know, just something, some words he's using because he's kind of uh, loss of words to use. You know, so we'll say, hi. You know how when, when we write letters, we say, hey, hello, you know, when we see each other. We, we, we kind of got this normal greeting. And I don't know how some of you greet people, but most of us greet, greet them with something friendly, you know. How you doing, you know? And some of them, I'm doing fine, you know. Uh, he says peace, peace to them. I believe he didn't, he didn't just use a word, just be using a word. I believe he used the word peace because... They were not in peace. I believe that they were in fear, and he's telling them, peace be with you. you know? And this word, when he said peace, it means, oh, my goodness gracious, it means some of everything. I mean, look it up sometime. Uh, it's, it's, oh, my goodness gracious, everything is in this word peace right here. That's so good. And so when he said peace be with them, they knew that, wow, peace must be here. Why should I have peace? And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands, and his side. Why did he do that? Couldn't they know, didn't they know this is Jesus? I mean, this is, this is a, I, I can recognize him. This is Chad. This is Steve. I, I, I know them. This is John. I know you. I don't have to see anything. No. They needed to know that this is our Lord who was crucified, who they nailed to the cross, who they uh, stuck a spear in his side, this is he. He has done what he said he was going to do. Now, I believe he has showed them this because uh, sometimes we see and don't see. You know, we, we pray that, you know, God open our eyes, you know. We want to see what we're supposed to see. See, the ones that saw him on the road to Emmaus, did they really know who he was? No, they didn't know who he was, you know. Uh, why didn't they know who he was? I mean, they didn't see Jesus. And I don't think they knew either, so he showed them his hands, showed them his side. And so his disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. When did they see the Lord? Why didn't they rejoice when they first came in, if they knew him? So I'm trying to, you know, Help you read between the lines because you should be doing that. You remember we talked about how to read about for all this work, you know, we talked about those things. You're supposed to be reading it so that you can uh, make notes, you can ask questions, you can have all these things. So, so I believe here that his disciples now recognize him and so they start rejoicing. Is that a reason that we should rejoice when we see the Lord? When we know that what he said is true. Doesn't it happen to us sometimes? Don't we get discouraged? Are y'all here today? <laughs> Don't y'all get discouraged? 
even though it's written in the Bible, all the things, the good things, the promises that we should not get discouraged, don't we get discouraged? Sometimes we don't see the Lord in our situation, let's say. And when the Lord shows up in our situations, what do we do? Rejoice, you know. We get excited. We get happy, you know. We jump for joy. We praise when we see God, God show up in situations. Did the, did the blind man um, rejoice when he got his sight? You know, you read the Gospels, right? Did a lame man get excited when he got his leg? That's an Acts. We get excited when God really shows up and does great things in our lives, even though we know that the word says that this is true anyway. Let's keep going. So Jesus said to them, peace be with you. Did they hear that the first time? Why do you have to explain something again? He already said that one time. See, he's, he, he, he says something that's very important. He says it twice. Peace be with you. See, the first time he said, peace be with you, he spoke to them. They said, my goodness gracious, you know, this is, uh, why should we have peace, man? My Lord has been, you know, uh, taken from us. Why should we have peace? Who is this person right here? Uh, Do we know him? Should he be? Is he? He speaks to them again now differently because they've already seen him. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. That's powerful. That's powerful. Is he telling us the same thing? Is he telling us, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you? Yes, he's telling us the same thing. He told them that in the 17th chapter of uh, John, he's sending them. He's sending them. He's sending us. That's the good news. He's sending us. We are supposed to be his hands. We're supposed to be his feet. We're supposed to be his mouthpiece. We're supposed to be his sweet Fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ to the to Father. Everywhere we go, there's another message we talked about uh, during um, the 4th of July. So we are supposed to be taking the good news about the resurrection of Jesus Christ to the world. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So he says, I send you. Now, if you're going to send me, we can be a type that we say, well, wait a minute. I'm very shy. I don't like to talk to people I don't know. Only the people I know. We'll go there first, you know, go to the people you know first. Well, I don't want to say something they don't want to hear because then they'll get upset with me and then I'm going to still not feel comfortable. So therefore, I don't think I want to say anything about the good news about Jesus Christ. I don't think I want to go, Lord. Do you think the disciples had some thoughts like that? You know, the Jews are, are Lord, they, they, they already persecuted. They, they, man, they persecuted you. Lord, they, they crucified you. Lord, you want us to go and do what you've done? How long do you think we're going to last? Right? Do you think these thoughts come across people's minds? They were disciples. They were apostles. But they were human beings. We know that, don't we? Because how many of them stood with him and say, hey, crucify me. If you're going to crucify my Lord, crucify me too. You want something with me? Come on. 
Did they say that? No. No, they didn't say that. All of them running, gone. You know, they deny him. They don't know what they don't know. So he had to give them something in order to take them from there to where he wanted them to go. Now, these are the leaders now he's talking to. These are the leaders. So as the leaders go, so the, the rest of the body goes. So now he's going to have to do something. What does he do? He says, let's look at verse 22. And when he has said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now that's important. That's important. The last time God breathed on somebody, do you know when it was? In creation, right? When he, when he uh, made man, it, what did he do? Breathe the breath of life into him, right? Okay. Now here's another time he's breathing now on them now. Not in them, but on them. And it says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now some uh, theologians, they'll say, well, well, okay, this is, when they said this, when, they, when, he, when he said, receive the Holy Spirit, what he meant was f- receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, you are born again. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You don't need anything else. Other theologians say, well, no, 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 no. What he was saying here is uh, receive the Holy Spirit when uh, the day of Pentecost comes. That's the second uh, thought that theologians have. Then a third one was, a receive, he, when he said receive the Holy Spirit, he, he received partial things from the Holy Spirit. You know, in other words, that, that he's not fully come yet, but I'm going to give you a, a foretaste of what you will receive to, t- to take you over to that point because I don't want you to uh, falter during this time. Now, which one is it? Or it could be another one. I don't know. I really don't know. Do you know? You know, we can have a, we can have a debate on it, but I guarantee some are going to say this, some are going to say that, some are going to say this. So when I teach, what I try to do is teach you the different theories that theologians have. Because um, if I tell you what I think this is saying and don't tell you there, there are disagreements on it, then you read a commentary that says it means something different. You're going to say, well, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about, but this, this theologian said this right here. I like to give you different theories if there are some controversial things so that you can then pray to ask God, well, how did, how, God, what is it, you know? I believe everything that has to do with life and godliness is in here because the Bible says so. I believe that, that we don't know a lot of things that's in here, even though everything that has to do with life and godliness is in here. Everything that's, that's in here, we don't understand yet. I believe that. And so for anybody to say they know everything, whether it be Revelations, whether it be uh, Genesis, whether it be John, whether it be Acts, um, I just don't know. Okay? But I can tell you one thing, that we do know that since he told them in Luke, let's look at Luke 24, verse 46 through 49, 
he told them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. And you, but you, are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. Now he was again, whether it be Matthews, whether it be Luke, doesn't matter. He, again, he was talking to the apostles. This is just before he uh, was taken up. So therefore, we know that he told everybody to tarry in Jerusalem. So that means that they didn't have everything they needed. Otherwise, he wouldn't have told the same ones as Tyre and Jerusalem. They had to have had to stay because they wouldn't have been received power. So whatever he did when he breathed on them and said receive the Holy Spirit, it wasn't everything they needed. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because he told them that they needed Tyre in Jerusalem. So we look from Genesis to Revelation. We go from Scripture to Scripture, uh, and we kind of say, okay, God, you couldn't mean this so because it says over here that this right here. So I don't know what you mean, but I know what you don't mean. Okay? So that's how we kind of uh, do, at least that's how I do things a little bit because uh, I don't know. So I just, I just read the Scripture, read the Scripture, study the Scripture, study the Scripture so I know what's going on. Another verse, John 7. John chapter 7. Verse 39. That's not in your notes either. It says, um, well, he, this is, of course, um, during, during the feast also. It says, now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But... This he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were to receive, for the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And if he was not glorified, then, then in Luke, before he died, before he was resurrected, he wasn't glorified yet either. So therefore, you can read different scriptures and put different scriptures together. And if somebody come and tell you, well, when he breathed on him, it meant this right here. You can say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. It could mean that because this scripture over in Luke says this. This scripture over in John chapter 7 verse 39 says this. How can it mean that if, if he has not been glorified? See, you got to learn the scripture so that when you hear words, and I'm trying to teach you that all the time. Every time I speak, I'm trying to teach you how to rightly divide the word of God because people tell you something, anything. You know, so that it'll, it'll, it'll catch on your on your um, filter. Those words will catch on that filter because you got the word as a filter and it filters out anything that's, that's not word. It filters out and get caught. You say, uh-uh, that can't get through. That can't get through because that's not word of God. That's the way I want you to be. That's why we encourage you so much. Get in the word of God because the word of God it's going to have life in it, and you're not going to be deceived. And there are deceiving spirits out there, believe me. 
It was, it was out there then, it's out here now, and it'll be out here forevermore until uh, he's thrown in the pit and not let out the fire of furnace. It's going to be all over for him. Let's go a little bit further. Let's turn back to Acts. Why was it important for them to be to, to stay in the city of Jerusalem? Well, number one, it was commanded. He commanded them to stay. That's one reason. If, he, if, he, if there was no other reason that they knew of, they were to stay because he commanded it to stay. It wasn't their home. Was it their home? Was it their home? No, it was not their home. They were Galileans. They, they wasn't from uh, right there in the city of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem was, in that day, the center of religious, political, economical, and cultural life. When things, when God wants things to spread a lot, a lot a quick a lot, a lot of times, it's going to be where people are already gathered. It's going to be where it can be taken um, uh, and run with. It's going to be in a place where sometimes it's a lot of um, doubt. In, in Jerusalem, there was a lot of doubt going on. Oh, it was, it was a lot of persecution going on. There was a lot of intimidation going on because that's, that's where Jesus was crucified. So they're trying to stamp out uh, um, all, the, all this movement. And so the, that's why the apostles were, they, they, they were afraid because they would kill them also. If they knew they were going to speak in that name again, they already killed the leader, so they wouldn't kill everybody else. So this is a great place to, to do miracles. It's a great place for the gospel to, to spread. It's a great place to uh, be a Christian and say, yes, I can speak right now in the midst of Satan's territory. I can speak. But if I speak, I must have something more than just me. Would you agree? That's why they need to stay. That's why they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because they will receive power to be his witnesses. Let's look uh, a little further, let's start reading a little bit further here. Acts chapter 1, verse um, 6. Let's go, let's go to 5. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. Isn't that a great place for the gospel to start? For the church to start? For the good news to start? Because if we get, every, if we get somebody from every nation under heaven saved, it's going to spread everywhere. And when this sound occurred, now what sound are they talking about? A sound like, the, you remember the sound of a violent rushing wind? They, they hear the sound, and this sound brought the crowd together. Because when they hear a, a, great, a great sound, people gather together. They said, what's this sound? It's an unusual sound. What is it? So they came around. See, mi- miracles are happening now. Miracles are happening. The sound was a miracle. Okay? Then, it, then it says here, And they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. Okay? Let's read again now. And when this sound occurred, see, the the crowd came together and they were bewildered because each. What do you mean by each? Each one. 
Each one separately, individually. Every nation, and the names down from 10 uh, through uh, 11. Every nation, name some of them, they was hearing them speaking their own language. What language is that? Every, every language, you know, whether from Medes, whether from Mesopotamia, whether from Judea, whether from Cappadocia, whether from Pontus, whether from Asia. Whether, it doesn't matter where you're from. Egypt, I don't care where you're from. Rome, it doesn't matter where you're from. Cretans, Arabs, I don't care where you're from. You were hearing in your native tongue. You were hearing. Today, we could say, um, you know, if it was something that God wants to do, amazement, if you have a gathering of, of people from all nations in one place, and then each one starts speaking in his own, um, in, that, in, in that person's own native language, you have some French, you have some um, Spanish, you have German, you have, you have a lot of different languages, you know. And so they were hearing this. They were hearing it. They were amazed and astonished. Now, see, God wanted to get their attention. Why do he want to get their attention? Because, see, something is miraculous happening here. This is a miracle. These men, see, couldn't speak that way. Why? He said, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each hear them in their own language to which we were born? Why is it? What's going on? We don't understand this thing. What's happening? That's a great thing when somebody asks you those questions, isn't it? Because it sets everybody up for now. Let me tell you why you're hearing this. But you're going to also have some in, in the audience. You're always going to have some naysayers. So look at verse 12 here. Uh, well, let's look at verse 11. It said, Cretans and Arabs. Uh, they said, we hear them in our own tongue speaking of the mighty deeds of God. So they are speaking of the mighty deeds of God. They, they, they're, going, they, they're doing that. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying. See, you're always going to have some mockers. You see, you have somebody that says, oh, there's nothing happening. There's no amazement. That, you know, there's nothing going on here, you know. Uh, you know. There's no anointing. There's no nothing going here. Nothing is going on here. It's dead here. You always have somebody saying that. You see? Really? I'm serious. You, you always have people saying that. It's going to always be some naysayers. But then it says, they are full of sweet wine. Even if they were drunk, how, is they, how are they going to speak and you hearing all these different languages just because they're drinking? Come on. That didn't even make sense what he said. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea, and all you who live in Jerusalem, let, it, let this be known to you, and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. Now, why I say that? Why I say that, Peter? Well, when was it there? Now, alcoholics, they, 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 might, they might blah, 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 be drunk at nine o'clock. It's six o'clock, right? But now, it's unusual for to have a whole room 
full of 120 alcoholics, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? You know? <laughs> you know, unless they broke into a liquor store, you know, and all of them in the liquor store, you know. <laughs> so really, even though I say this is nine in the morning, really, if it makes sense, it couldn't be everybody couldn't be drunk. That doesn't make sense. But the more theological answer uh, would be that it's nine o'clock, the third hour. Jewish hour starts, you know, they start six to seven, eight, nine. Three, it's three hours, nine o'clock in the morning. See, they, they had a, um, in the Jews taking place in, in a uh, feast, and they are in the synagogue partaking of, of um, the festivities. They refrain from eating and drinking until 10 and sometimes 12, depending on when the sacrifice takes place. So they say it couldn't be this because it's the, it's the, day, of, it's the day of Pentecost. We're here because this, this festival is feast, so therefore it couldn't be that. Do, do you hear what I'm saying now? See, so he's discounting that these people are, 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 have been drinking. So now he tells them something here, okay? But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Oh. Now, here's a, something that, you know, I've been sharing with you uh, for at least 13 years, is that you need to know the word of God, don't you? You need to have it memorized, some of it, don't you? Right? Now, obviously, if Peter stand up and he's going to say, this is what's spoken through Joel, and he's going to start quoting Joel, he, he didn't say, hey, go get me a stroll. Go, hey, somebody go get me a Bible so I can look, at, look this thing up. Oh, bring a concordance, too, because I don't know exactly where it is, you know? Right? He didn't say that, did he? He just started saying, this is what was spoken through Joel. What was spoken? And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. We'll stop here. Now, we're talking about prophesy. What is prophesy? What is prophecy? And your young men shall see visions. Let's stop there. What are visions? And your old men shall dream dreams. What are dreams? Why old men dreaming dreams? Young men seeing visions. What's the deal? Are older men too, too old to see visions? And young men not mature enough to see dreams? <laughs> what is it? Are old men fall asleep, so they're going to be dreaming a lot because they fall asleep. What, what is it, you know? What is it? Have you, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to teach you how to ask questions. Do y'all ask questions like that? Y'all don't ask questions like that. Okay. I, ask a lot of, I ask a lot of simple questions because I don't know, you know? I don't know what, what Joel is talking about. I don't know why God did this. 18, and on my bond servants, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. So, whoa. That's everybody, isn't it? That's everybody. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke and the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. So before the Lord come, the rest of this will be fulfilled before the Lord comes, because it says so. 
and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's good news, isn't it? See, Joel was, was speaking. Joel was a prophet, he was, so he was prophesying that this is going to happen. Is that true today? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is that true? That is true. That's right. That's right. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him. So if God performed it through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit, don't we? Because there's no way you're going to go witness of the good news of, the, of how God has said uh, in, in the prophet Isaiah, you know, that um, he took out infirmities, he bore out diseases. There's no way you're going, going to do that if God's not going to show up and do anything. Right? We need the power of God. We need it. 23. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him, in, put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in his power. Oh, this is good news. It's good news. If Jesus rose from the dead, which he did, that means that Everyone who is in Christ shall be raised also on the last day. We don't have to fear death because death has no sting on us. Because death is just a temporary thing for those who are in Christ. This is just a temporary thing. It's just a temporary thing until God is ready to, to uh, call us all, all up to himself to take us home. Then we can resolve because earth is not our home. The grave is not our home. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know? So death has no more sting. I don't care uh, uh, when, when the devil can threaten you or I'll kill you. Well, great. You know, I'll go home faster. Great. Do it. You know? Make my day. You know? Right? But see, we used to, before we got born again, we used to be afraid of, oh, I don't want to leave. I don't want to. I got, you know, I got a car. I got a house payment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I haven't lived long enough. I got some things that I want to go to Europe, you know. <laughs> My goodness gracious, come on. In a new heaven, new earth, we go where we want to go. I mean, hey, come on, you know. We're everywhere, you know. Uh, we are spirit, you know. We are confined to this body now, but we won't be then, you know. That's what communion is all about, isn't it? Is 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 uh. You know, recognizing the, the um, death of the Lord. Because if he wouldn't have died, he surely couldn't rise again, could he? Right? And so since he had to die for our sins, we can say, praise God. We can, you know, honor and remember that every time we receive communion. We can do that. And that's what we want to do. We're going to stop here. Because Acts is so good. I'm going to tell you, Acts is so good. Uh, we just go through this thing, and, and um, uh, you're going to see some marvelous things as you see it. Uh, I mean, it's some, I, wrote some, I wrote some over here on the side, important. That's in verse 39 over there, important. Oh, and, but I don't want to get to that now. So we're going to just hold that, and we're going to pick it up. We're going to pick it up um, 
at a, another time. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 23. For I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're proclaiming it. He died. He rose. He's alive. We serve a living God. And since he lives, we live. You know? Therefore, whoever eats and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat the bread and drink the cup, for he who eats and drinks to himself. Um, if you judge ourselves, we won't be judged. In other words, we're the same. So that's what I want us to do at this time. Would the people I asked to uh, pass out the elements come up, please? We're going to uh, pass the elements to you. Um, if the two of you all would take um, one of the uh, juices and one of the, yeah, take one of the juices and one of the breads, and, and you take that section over there. And if Jason, you and Joe take the middle section, and... John and you and Quinta take this section over here. We're going to pass out the elements to you. The only prerequisite of receiving communion is to be born again. And if you're here today and you're not born again, today is the day of, of, of salvation. Today is the day. And the word says, which we read, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be saved. So if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, The only thing you need to do is to ask him to come into your life, to ask him to save you, to repent of your sin. And the sin we all have committed before we got saved is the sin of, of Adam, which we rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And so everybody was born of Adam, uh, was born into sin. And we have to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. He's the sacrifice for our sins. He's the perpetuation for our sins. He's the total satisfaction 
for the sins of the world. And so you ask him, Lord, Jesus Christ, save me. You know, the, the, the uh, ones who were, had a thief on one side and on the other side of Jesus Christ that was being crucified, and one, in the last hour, say, say, you know, hey, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So it doesn't have to be one of these long things. It just have to, you have to acknowledge that you want the Lord in your life. You want to be changed. You don't want to be living for yourself again anymore. You want to give your life to Jesus Christ, and you want him to live through you. You said that today. You will be saved, and you receive communion. We rightly discern the body of Christ. We all are one. We're all supposed to be unified into one body, meaning we're all supposed to be agreeing. That's what confession is, agreeing with the word of God. The body is always supposed to be in unity. Now, supposed to be in a discord in the body. Now, supposed to be in a, one talking about this one and one believing this and one believing that, you know. Uh, we are one. James said we don't judge one another, that we, not, we be not judged. That's what communion is about. So take a little time and just ask the Lord to show you if any unforgiveness in your life, there's a time for that. Any thing in your life that, God, get this out of my life. I'm very critical sometimes of things that don't go my way the way I think it should go. God, forgive me. I don't want to be that way, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm holding for unforgiveness in this, this area over here against this person over here that uh, from my childhood, from this, God, forgive them, Lord. For God, God, forgive my mate. Whatever it may be, you want to straighten out things as best as you know how if the Spirit brings anything to you. You want to do that. Let's stand. Thank you all so much. This represents the body of Christ. Let's partake together. So that often we do, remember him. Let's partake of the juice that's representing the blood of Christ. So that as often as we do, we do in remembrance of him.
you will hold on to that those cups there. Some of the ushers will come by and get them. What we like to do when we receive communion and close the service, we like to <clears throat> give everybody an opportunity to just thank the Lord for his goodness, to thank the Lord for his mercy, thank the Lord for the price that he paid for our souls. Father, we thank you for putting us in your body. We are a part of the body of Christ universally. We are not our own, Lord. We are in this body, but this body is not ours, Lord. This body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus because wherever he is, we are also, theoretically. So we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you. We thank you that we don't have to suffer and, and just be persecuted and have to do things in our own strength, Lord, Father. We had to do that before we were saved. Now, Father, we can just roll our cares upon you because you care for us. Regardless of what's going on in our lives and there are things going on in all of our lives, we thank you, Lord, that we are not alone. You're with us. God with us, Emmanuel. We thank you for that, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. If you have any Thanksgiving that you want to just... Share with the body. Just thank God. Just thank God. Yes, Lord. Thank you, 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 Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for godly men in this body. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's close with that.